Hey, welcome to Hot Takes, a current events podcast led by college students. In each episode, we give our hot takes on current events. Stick around and see if you can take the heat. My name is Autumn Thatcher. I am the student director at the Levitt Center, and I will be helping moderate today's podcast. A quick disclaimer before we get started. The views expressed in this podcast are personal views and do not reflect the views of the Michael O. Levitt Center for Politics and Public Service. Follow us on social media at Levitt Center for up-to-date news and events. Send us an email at, at levittcenter at suu.edu if you have any questions or concerns. Now let's introduce today's hosts. Hi, my name is Sari Blanda and I'm a fellow at the Levitt Center. I am a senior graduating this month, majoring in political science and minoring in communications. Hi, I'm Ashley Cannon. I'm a fellow at the Levitt Center as well. I am a sophomore and my major is engineering technology with an emphasis in architecture and I'm getting a minor in construction management. Awesome. So the first thing that we're going to talk about today is the COVID-19 vaccinations and Ashley, I'll have you get started. So first off, we're going to go over how vaccinations are made. So in the past, vaccines had the entire virus in them. It was just programmed to reproduce slowly and it was in a weak state when it went into your body. Now, scientists take a part of the virus, an mRNA, and put that into our bodies. This means that we are not given the virus and cannot get COVID-19 from the vaccine. Once in our body, the mRNA triggers our immune system to create a protein that will fight against the virus. This protects us from, from becoming ill from COVID-19. So to discuss three of the approved vaccines in the United States, we'll start with the Pfizer. This one teaches our cells how to make a protein or even just a piece of a protein that triggers an immune response. The Pfizer Biotech COVID-19 vaccination is a series of two doses given three weeks apart, 94 to 95% efficiency. It lasts six to eight months. Some of the side effects include injection site pain, tiredness, headache, muscle pain, chills, and joint pain. Uh, Now we're gonna talk about the Moderna. Um, it also teaches our cells how to make a protein um, or the piece of a protein that triggers an immune response. Um, the COVID, I mean, the Moderna COVID-19 vaccine um, is given in two doses, each one month apart. It also has 94 to 95% efficiency. Um, it also lasts six to eight months and side effects include chills, high fever, injection, inject, injection site swelling and injection site redness. Next, the J&J is a viral vector vaccine, and it uses a modified version of a different virus as a vector to deliver instructions in the form of a genetic material, a gene, to a cell. The J&J COVID vaccine is one dose. It is 66.3% effective, and it lasts one month, most effective for two weeks. Those side effects include pain, redness, swelling, tiredness, chills, fever, and nausea. So now our question, should the vaccine be mandatory? I'll start. I believe that vaccine information should be more widely available to the public and that it shouldn't be mandatory, but that all information should be presented so individuals can make educated choices with their healthcare providers. Um, I agree. I don't think it should be mandatory, but I do think that herd immunity is a huge part of vaccines. And if not enough people get it, we will continue to struggle with COVID-19 being in our society. And, but with that being said, like I said, I don't think they should be mandatory by the government, but I do think that they have the right to make it mandatory for you to have a passport, um, for you to have the vaccine to have a passport because traveling can bring it back to the US. 
Um, and I also think that if the government isn't involved, private companies um, have every right to make the vaccine mandatory. So for example, like air, different airlines can make it mandatory for you to fly with them. Um, but I don't think the government should be mandatory. I definitely agree that private companies can make it mandatory or a passport if they feel that best fit for their company. I think it's also important to note that the Pfizer or Moderna are 94 to 95% effective, while the J&J is only 66.3% effective. Yeah, I agree. That is interesting. It's also interesting the side effects, the how different people react to it. Uh, my husband actually got the Moderna and he got his second dose and he was out for like two days. He was so tired and he just had the chills and was so sick. Now he's okay, but. It is interesting how it affects everyone a little bit differently. So mm -hmm. yeah, are we ready to move on? Yeah. Perfect. So the next topic that we're going to discuss is cancel culture. Um, and then to start off cancel culture, we're going to give some background on a few companies that have recently made changes to their brands and products. So Ashley, I'll turn it over to you. First off, we're going to start with Mr. <laughs> Potato Head. Um, here's a statement from their company. Hasbro is making sure all feel welcome in the Potato Head world by officially dropping a Mr. from the Mr. Potato Head brand name and logo to promote gender equality and inclusion. Uh, also, according to Hashbro, launching this fall, the Create Your Potato Head Family is a creation, celebration of the many faces of families, allowing kids to imagine and create their own potato head family. This includes two large potato bodies, one small potato body, and 42 accessories. The possibilities to create your own families are endless with mixing and matching all the parts and pieces. So it's definitely interesting that the company decided to make those changes. Obviously, sex doesn't apply to the conversation since these are toys, uh, potatoes, and not people. But then at the end of the day, it was the company's choice, and a private company can do whatever they would like. When it comes to gender, I believe there are only two genders, and that there shouldn't, and that they are not social constructs. You are either a male or a female. It is a children's toy, and we should not be influencing children to be non-binary. Parents should push their children to traditional gender norms. Um, I agree that there uh, is not sex in regards to potatoes. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I do think that it's interesting because they're only taking the Mr. away from the company name. They're still keeping the separate Mr. and Mrs. Potato Heads. And so you can still buy them if you want. And I also think going along with that, parents are going to do whatever they want with their children. Every company can do what they want, but at the end of the day, parents are going to choose what they allow their kids to play with and what they encourage their kids to play with. Um, I also think that there's nothing wrong with traditional norms. Um, I grew up with a stay-at-home mom who made dinner every night and my dad went to work. Um, however, we don't have to have gender norms to succeed. Um, I think that as long as every member of a family has a role that works for them and works for their family, that is what is important for a functional society. Um, they only switched the logo, not the entire idea of there being a Mr. and Mrs. Potato Head, um, but I think Hashbro is doing a good job at helping kids to see kids see toys as simply toys, which encourages them to be themselves outside of the pressures of traditional gender norms. But like I said before, parents can choose whatever they want for their children. That makes sense. Perfect. So I think we're going to move on to a different topic within cancel culture. So sorry. So next we're going to discuss Aunt Jemima from the company. They quoted, 
We recognize Aunt Jemima's origins are based on a racial stereotype. While work has been done over the years to update the brand in a manner intended to be appropriate and respectful, we realize those changes are not enough. We acknowledge the brand has not progressed enough to appropriately reflect the confidence, warmth, and dignity that we would like to stand for today. So a little background history on Aunt Jemima. The first model who worked to become Aunt Jemima was Nancy Green, who was a former slave nanny, cook, activist, and the first of many African-American models hired to promote a corporate trademark as Aunt Jemima. The Aunt Jemima recipe was not her recipe, but she became the advertising world's first living trademark. The next model used for Aunt Jemima was Lillian Richard, who portrayed Aunt Jemima for years, says the company. The company decided to rename the brand without consulting the families of the woman who brought the character to life. Next, we're going to talk about Uncle Ben's, and Sari's also going to talk about that. Uncle Ben's uh, brand quoted, as a global brand, we know we have a responsibility to take a stand in helping to put an end to racial bias and injustice. As we listen to the voices of consumers, especially in the Black community, and to the voices of our associates worldwide, we recognize that now is the right time to evolve, evolve Uncle Ben's brand, including his visual brand identity, which we will do. According to Mars, Uncle Ben was an African-American rice grower known for the quality of his rice. Gordon L. Har Harwell, an entrepreneur who had supplied rice to the armed forces in World War II, chose the name Uncle Ben's as a means to expand his marketing efforts to the general public. The company said the image used on the Uncle Ben packaging was a beloved Chicago chef and waiter named Frank Brown. Thank you so much for that, sorry. Um, I think it's important to remember why these brands were using these labels and their intent. Um, I think that we need to be aware of stereotypes um, we are promoting and take time to reevaluate things we once thought were okay. Um, it is about doing the right thing, not the easy thing, which I think that these companies have done a really good job at showing us. Um, and I think that we can have, I think it's important to note that we can have diversity and inclusion without having the current categories and stereotypes we assign people. So since Aunt Jemima was modeled after a black slave named Nancy Green, in my opinion, by removing her, you are erasing a part of history. She took up the job and after her passing, a woman by the name of Lillian Richard was offered the job by Quaker Oats. Quaker Oats didn't consult the Richard family, like mentioned before, announcing their decision to rebrand. But the family says they have since reached out to the company about preserving Richard's legacy. So I think since the family of the second model didn't find that there were racial stereotypes, I tend to agree with them. Yeah, that's an interesting point that they bring up. And I think that it's, I think that we can remember history without having to relive it and agree with it, which I think that these companies are really just trying to say. And to make a point on Uncle Ben, some believe that by having his image on the right, you're actually celebrating Black history. Like mentioned before, if a portrayal of Frank Brown is pushing real st racial stereotypes, why not pick another Black man to model for the company? I think that would be a wise decision by the company to not just remove the images of those of different races, but actually to replace it with more empowering images. Yeah, and I think that that's like a big point about everything now is just to empower people and to really represent them in a positive way and in a way that's clearly not living in the past. 
Perfect. So I think the next one that we wanted to talk about with cancel culture has to do with um, our own Senator Mitt Romney. So Ashley, you want to talk about that? Sure. So just to give some facts, um, there was a motion being circulated on social media and it is saying Romney failed to represent the average conservative Utah Republican voter and misrepresent himself as a Republican when he ran for office. This is in response to him voting to <laughs> to impeach Trump. Thank you. Trump yes. Trump. <laughs> no, you're totally good. <laughs> to impeach Donald Trump from his office. Um, and there was a petition that is also being circulated among Utah Republicans on social media to censure Senator Mitt Romney for his vote to convict former President Trump in his last week's Senate impeachment trial. Romney was one of seven Republican senators who voted to convict the former president on a charge of inciting an insurrection, but the Senate did not reach the two-thirds majority required to find Trump guilty. So, sorry, what do you think about that? So, um, my thoughts is, as an elected uh, official, Romney could vote in any way he pleased, but it does appear that he is not representing the Utah population. 58.1% of Utahns voted for Trump in 2020, which shows they don't agree with him being impeached. There is no real way to censor him. Just encourage Utahns to vote in a different Republican to represent them and their values. They can demand he resign or vote differently, but they do not have any power. Yeah, I don't disagree that he probably wasn't representing the Republicans in Utah perfectly, just because the stats show that Utahns did vote for Trump. Um, however, I think that we do elect officials that we feel will do what they really think is best for our state and nation. And so I'm glad that I'm grateful that the people we elect have a brain for themselves instead of always doing exactly what the party would say they have to do. But with that being said, I do think that he voted in a way that wasn't in align with the people who elected him. Yeah. Perfect. And then Sari, I think we're going to, well, do you guys have any other opinions on that? Okay, we're good. <laughs> perfect. Um, so next day we can move on to uh, SUU, something that happened right here on our campus. Yeah, so it was regarding Harry Reid. To give a little background, Harry Mason Reid is a retired American attorney and politician who served as the United States Senator from Nevada from 1987 to 2017. He led the Senate's Democratic Conference from 2005 to 2017 and was a Senate Majority Leader from 2007 to 2015. Based on an, an analysis of bill sponsorship by GovTrack, Reed was a moderate Democratic leader as of July 2014. This was the same rating Reed received in July 2013. U.S. Senator Harry Reed is no longer part of Southern Utah University Outdoor Engagement Center. SUU President Scott Wyatt decided to make some changes that called for the Nevada Democratic's name be removed from the building. This happened in 2014. There were people that stepped up and pledged money towards removing his name. In five days, uh, SUU received a totaling $40,000. According to the Salt Lake Tribune, Tribune, the Cedar City University pulled Reed's name off of its outdoor engagement center in August after several area residents raised concerns about linking the school to the Nevada Democrat reviled by conservatives. I think that this is a really interesting issue. Um, I think that it's also interesting that it was started by 
locals from Cedar City that said, hey, we don't think that he represents what SU and Cedar City represents. And so we don't want him represented. Um, but I think that, although I don't know about the politics side of things, I think that it was a good decision to remove his name just because he has nothing to do with outdoors. Usually people have buildings named after them because they had something to do with it. Yeah, and I also like to mention, I grew up in Nevada and like mentioned before, Harry Reid was a moderate Democrat, which is why I don't understand why Utah Republicans wanted his name removed, I guess, unless it just had to do with him not having anything to do with the outdoors. Even though he did have his name removed from a medium-sized university, he is now going to have it at the International Airport. Las Vegas McCarran's International Airport is being renamed after ex-Nevada Senator Harry Reid. Interesting. Interesting. Well, do you guys have any other opinions on that topic? I think we're good. Awesome. Okay, so thank you so much, Sarah and Ashley, and um, stay tuned for updates about our Hot Takes uh, podcast on our Instagram at Levitt Center. We always post on there about when we're going to post a new episode. And yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.